that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Let's pray. Just now, Father, we want to commit ourselves to you again each one in this room, for you to do whatever you want in our lives. May these minutes that we have together have an eternal value. May they make a permanent difference in our lives. We commend ourselves to you. We thank you that You are at work, and we ask you to do what will bring glory to your name and will lift up and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to talk with you this morning for just a few moments about God's purpose in redemption. Now, the reason I do this is that I think... Sometimes we as human beings, uh, and we have all of the limitations as human beings, but we look at, we look at redemption from our perspective, with our, our glasses on, if you please. And we see it from, from our point of view. And so redemption, by and large, means for us such things as forgiveness of sin, which it should. The Bible teaches that when we come to know Jesus as our personal Savior, we have been forgiven and cleansed. We think of redemption as hope for eternity, and we should. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. There is that hope, the hope of eternity. We think of redemption as a freedom from guilt, and that's true, we should. 
But if you'll notice, most of the things we think of when we think of redemption are the things that we get, that we derive from redemption. It's sort of a what's in it for me syndrome. And because we're human, that's understandable. But I think it is imperative, my friends, that we also understand what is God's perspective as far as redemption is concerned. What is God's purpose in redemption? Now, while you hold your finger in this passage we've just read because we want to come back to it, I want to ask you to turn to the book of Titus, just right after Timothy there, just back a few pages. Titus chapter 3, chapter 2, verse 14. Titus 2, 14. I think this makes a beautiful, clear declaration of what God's purpose in redemption is. Listen to what it says. Talking about the Lord Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The key word there is purify. You see, from God's perspective, what he is seeking to do through the work of his Son, the Lord Jesus, and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and mine, is to purify, to purify a people for himself. Now, the process of purification is not always a pleasant one. I appreciated Chet's prayer this morning. Because God very frequently sees that we need to be taken through processes of one kind or another that will purify. Purification takes many forms. Notice, remember, and you know these stories, but think back in the case of Abraham. Here he is, a hundred years old, and he's been asking God about a son. Because God had said to Abraham, through your seed, I am going to bless the nations. And your seed is going to be like the sands of the sea and like the stars of the sky. And yet, he had never had a son. At a hundred years of age, God gives him a son. And along comes Isaac. And then you remember as a teenager, very likely as a teenager, Abraham is told by God, I want you to take your son, I want you to go up on the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him. Now that sounds, that sounds cruel. That sounds inhuman that God would ask someone to do that. But, but think for a moment. He went up on the mountain with his son, but before he left his servants, do you remember what he said? He said, the lad and I will go and sacrifice and return. 
Abraham had the faith to believe that God could raise his son from the dead even after he sacrificed him. And you see that in the book of Hebrews. And they went up there, you remember? And Abraham laid his son out on the altar, raised the knife to take his life, and God stopped him and provided a ram caught in the, in the bush that was there. And then God said, Abraham, now I know that you are really mine, that you will really follow me and obey me because you've been willing to take this step. Now that is purification. Abraham was never the same after that. There had been something in his life that he had laid a hold of after a hundred years that he grasped, that was important to him, through whom he knew the nations would be blessed and God was going to take that from him. And and Abraham was willing to open his hands and give that up. Many times that's the way God purifies us. By asking if we're willing to give him something that we have been holding on to. Whatever that might be. It may just be our reputation. It may be things that we're holding on to. To be willing to turn them over to God. It's not easy. But it's part of his purification. Or consider with, with me the story of Moses. You remember Moses? At 40 years of age, Moses had been raised in the best schools and traditions and educational systems of Egypt. And one day he's out there and he sees the Egyptians mistreating a Jewish person. And so he defends him and ends up killing the Egyptian. And you remember that he, that he left. Now, we have to recognize that Moses may have done that with the right motive to try and and deliver the people or save the people or, or, or provide freedom for the people that were in slavery. But he did it in the wrong way and at the wrong time. And so God said, no, Moses, I need to put you through a period of purification. And for 40 years, the next 40 years, Moses tended sheep on the backside of the desert until God said, all right, now you're ready. And he brought him forth and used him as a deliverer. You see, God had in mind that he was going to deliver the people of Israel, but the way Moses did it back there was not his way, God his own way. And in the meantime, he had to purify Moses. God desires, please hear me now, every one of you who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God desires to use you for his glory. But very often, in fact almost always, he has to put us through periods of purification to burn away things that are in our lives that are, that are impure, that are unclean, things that, that keep him from using us the way he wants to purify a people for himself. This is what God wants to do in you and in me. Now, 
there are many other illustrations we could use from the scriptures, but let's, let's go back to this passage in Hebrews and see what God has in mind when he does this. What is it that God is seeking to accomplish? The first thing you see in this passage that we read is that this is a word of encouragement. Note that. This is not something to discourage us. I know it sounds, it sounds heavy sometimes to think that God has to purify us, that God has to take us through times that may not be pleasant. That may not sound very encouraging at the, at the front. But the Bible says this is a word of encouragement. And the encouragement is this. God is acting out of love when he does that. He is acting out of a desire to help us become what he wants us to be. God is seeking to work in us his purposes and plans that we might be the kind of people that he can be glorified in and that he can use for his glory. But there has to be some cleansing. There has to be some purifying in order for him to be able to do that. And so he says this is a word of encouragement. And, and one, of the, one of the words of encouragement is that he is treating us as his sons. Now that word is a generic word, ladies. Please realize that. You're included in that. He's, in, he's, he's treating us as his children. That's what he's saying. And children need to be disciplined. One of my concerns today is the lack of discipline in so many homes. We have forgotten the importance of discipline. Our children, as they grow up, need to be instructed and taught. In fact, the Word of God says that in our homes is where this should take place. Not in Sunday school and not in Christian schools, but in our homes. And back in Deuteronomy, it says that we're to talk of these things when we sit in our house, when we walk by the way, when we lie down and when we rise up. We're to teach our children in a continuum regarding this matter of how they should live. The discipline of learning how to live. And our society has forgotten that today, unfortunately. And many of us as Christians have forgotten the importance of discipline in our homes. And instead we have become indulgent parents. We're afraid to discipline for fear that we'll hurt our children's psyches, whatever those are. We read so many books and psychologists tell us we'll damage them. They'll never be the same. You know, I have one word for that. Baloney. That's true. Children, children need discipline. It has been demonstrated, it has been proven that where there is discipline provided for children and, and parameters are set and maintained, children operate with far greater security and far greater liberty and far greater creativity. When they don't know what the barriers are, what the, what the, what the limits are, they're insecure. They don't know how much they can get away with. But when they know that there are limits and they're maintained, children are far more secure. Now, we're not going to get into that. That's a whole different subject. 
But what this is saying is that discipline is important and God uses discipline for you and for me as his children to help us become what he wants us to be. See, that's what discipline should be in our homes. Discipline is not just punishment when we get angry with our children. That's not discipline. Discipline is training them. And that's what God does with you and me. He doesn't just get upset with us. He doesn't just withdraw his blessing. He doesn't just withdraw himself. He trains us through a variety of circumstances. And one of them is this matter of purification. Purifying our lives wherever that is needed. So he says, be encouraged by this. In fact, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Just recently I was involved in a situation in another city. I was asked to go there and and try to help an individual. And this individual has gone through a very difficult period. There's no question about it. There are There are a number of circumstances that have happened that that would be discouraging and unfortunately have been. But I found out as I talked with this person where the discouragement started. And, And I want to pass this on to you because it can make the difference in your life as well. I can't deny that the circumstances through which this individual has gone I can't deny that they are not difficult. They are difficult. But the moment that this individual allowed himself to say, why is God allowing this to happen to me? Now that's a simple question, isn't it? It's probably one we would all ask. But what's behind that? Doubt. And the moment that you express doubt regarding God's control, God's goodness, and what God is doing, you open the door for the enemy to move in and begin sowing all kinds of thoughts and questions and apprehensions and fears. Just that question. You remember what it says in Isaiah 55? God says, My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my thoughts above your thoughts, and my ways above your ways. And when God allows something to come into our lives to begin a process of purification, we may not understand it. And we may, we may be tempted to ask why, but instead we should ask what? What do you want me to learn through this? What are you trying to accomplish in my life? What is it that you want to produce as a result of this? Those are questions that can be helpful. They can be developmental. They can help us grow in the middle of a time when we are being purified. But to question is to open the door. And so he says, don't lose heart. Don't give up. 
when, when God purifies you. We'll see that in a moment. But it brings to my mind the example of Paul the Apostle. If you'd like to look at it, it's in the second book of, of Corinthians. Second Corinthians. And two or three verses that we want to look at. Chapter 4 in Second Corinthians. Let me read these for you. Second Corinthians 4. The very first part of the chapter, the first couple of verses, Paul says this. Therefore, since through Christ's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. We don't give up. We don't get discouraged. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor we distort the word of God. We don't give up. Instead, we discipline ourselves further. Now, a little further in the chapter, chapter, same chapter 4, verse 7, if you have it there. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's what you and I are, just jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Now, notice. Paul says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. See, God doesn't let things go beyond what we can endure. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will is faithful and will not allow the temptation to be more than you can bear. That's 1 Corinthians 10.13. That's what Paul is saying. We are we're, perplexed, we're hard-pressed, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And so he says at the end of the chapter, verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. In the middle of all this, in the middle of all this purification, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Our light and momentary troubles. That's what purification is. It's something that comes and passes in view of eternity. So, he says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. In the middle of purification, don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. God is treating you as his children to accomplish his purposes. It's a demonstration of his love. He goes on to say that in these next verses here, verses 6 and 7 of chapter 12 in Hebrews. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as his son. It's interesting. If you turn one page over, at least in my Bible it's just one page, to the book of James, and notice what it says in verse 2 of chapter 1. James 1, verse 2. Consider it pure 
joy. My brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, whenever you're purified, consider it pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That's what God wants to accomplish in us. He wants to make us mature. He wants to make us complete. He wants to accomplish in us his purposes and make us like his son. Romans 8.29, you remember, says that God is seeking to conform us to the image of his son. I have one deep supreme desire that I may be like Jesus. To this I fervently aspire that I may be like Jesus. I want my heart his throne to be so that a watching world may see his likeness shining forth in me. I want to be like Jesus. Oh, to be like Thee. Oh, to be like Thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as Thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. That's what God's doing. He is seeking to conform us. To the image of his son. But in order to do that, this process of purification has to go on. He is seeking to purify a people for himself. Listen, verse 10 of this passage in Hebrews. What his ultimate objective is in all this. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. That we may share in his holiness. We hear a lot about holiness today. And it's a good subject. We need to seek to be holy in God's sight. But holiness is, is the product of purification. Holiness doesn't come easily. It's the product of purification, of cleansing, of of having those things in our lives that are displeasing to God removed and burnt up 
in the process of purification. Whatever those might be. Habits. Attitudes. Desires. Undisciplined aspects of our life. Those things that that are primarily for self-gratification, that are not pleasing to God, having those burned up and removed so that God can make us the kind of people that he wants us to be, a holy people. Romans 12.1, you remember that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, what? Holy, holy, acceptable unto God. That's the kind of sacrifice he wants. A holy life, a holy body, acceptable unto God. We've been been thinking with Skip for several weeks now regarding these days and the nearness of the Lord's coming. Turn with me, if you will, to Second Peter, eleven. Uh, excuse me, Second Peter. I'll have to find it here. Um, chapter three, verse eleven and twelve. Second Peter three, eleven and twelve. Since everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Because we do believe that his coming is near, all the more reason, all the more reason to present our bodies to him, to present ourselves to him and say, Lord, purify me. Whatever it's going to cost, whatever it's going to take, make me willing to allow you to cleanse me and make me the kind of a person you want me to be that will bring glory to your name, that will honor you. Purification. It isn't pleasant. It said that. It's not pleasant at the beginning. Notice it goes on to say in verse 11 of chapter 12 where we were in Hebrews, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. And that's true. It's painful. It can be very painful. But it's only painful temporarily. That's what Paul said. It just, it passes. Because God is doing something eternal. No discipline is pleasant, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Notice, it says those who have been trained by it. Unfortunately, my friends, it is possible to go through times of purification and not learn a thing. You know why? Because we start feeling sorry for ourselves. Why is this happening to me? What have I done that was so bad? You remember the story of Job? God said that there was no one 
on earth as righteous as Job. He lived a life that was exemplary in every way. And yet God allowed him to go through that time of purification, that time of testing. And at the end, God honored him for his willingness to go through that period. It was not an easy time. It was a difficult time. There were times when when Job wondered if God was even there. But he never opened his mouth to question God. Not once. And God honored him for it. And we ask that sometimes. Lord, why? What have I done? It isn't that we've done anything. It's that God is trying to make us more like he wants us to be. His purification is not punishment. His purification is for our good. It's training us. It's not because we've we've been bad. It's because he wants us to become more like himself. It's a process of love. It's not a process of punishment. So when it happens, rather than asking, why is this happening to me? Our question should be, Lord, teach me what you want me to learn through this. I don't enjoy it. It's not pleasant. But I want to learn. That's what this says. To those who learn through it, who are trained by it, those who take the time to ask God and learn what he wants us to know through that experience. Now, there is a danger here. And that's what it says next. Therefore, Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. What that's communicating is an attitude of giving up, basically. When you just feel like, I'm not going to do anything. I can't handle it anymore. I'm going to give up. The writer of Hebrews says, strengthen those parts that are weak. And and don't let yourself begin feeling sorry for yourself. And he tells us how to do it in the next phrase. Make level paths for your feet. Make level paths for your feet. What does he mean? Uh, Some of the versions say, make straight paths for your feet. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's how we make straight paths. By going back and seeing, what does God say? What can I believe? What can I hold on to right now in the middle of this process of purification? And one thing I know is this. God says back in Jeremiah 29.11, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for your good and not for evil. They're to cause you to become what I want you to be. To give you a future and a hope. That's one of those, one of those verses that will help me get my path straight again. Rather than the fluctuation of emotions when I'm going through a trial or a a time of purification. And I remind myself, God is faithful and he's doing what is, what is on his heart and he's accomplishing his purposes. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. 
Has he said and will he not do it? And has he spoken and will he not make it good? We can count on God. We can trust in God. In the middle of that time of purification, that's how we make straight paths or level paths for our feet. Back in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 4, we have these words. My son... Pay attention to what I say. This is God speaking. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for it is a wellspring of life. The word of God is health, not only spiritually, but according to that passage, health for our whole body. And God puts us through purification of various kinds to make us all that he wants us to be. Healing, spiritual healing, physical healing very often comes when we get our perspective straight and allow God to purify And do what he wants and make us the kind of people he wants us to be. And then he says, and this is his promise that we can hang on to. In chapter, the same book of Hebrews, just look over to the next page if you will. Chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money or covetousness of any kind. And be content. Be content with such things as you have. Not just physically or financially or materially, but even even spiritually, where you are, what God is doing in your life. Be content because of this. He has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what anyone can do to me. God is faithful. And because he loves you, and because he cares for you, and because he wants to make you the person that he wants you to be, he brings times of purification into your life. And they are for your good. Therefore, for your growth and your development, your encouragement. Because God is treating you as his children. Let's pray. I want you to take just a moment now, by yourselves, quietly. We're just going to give you a moment of quietness. And I I just, I want you to ask yourself before God, am I really willing to allow the Lord to do whatever he wants, to purify me, to make me the kind of person he wants me to be? Consider that for a moment.
Now, if you've answered that question affirmatively and you've said, yes, I do want God to do that in my life. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit afraid of what he might do, but I believe that he loves me and I trust him. But I want him to purify me and make me what he wants me to be. If you've said that, if you've answered it that way, would you do me a favor and just stand for a moment? I want to pray with you. So wherever you are, just stand up. Father, you must be very pleased to see this group of people standing before you, having expressed this desire. And Lord, because we love you and we know you love us, we trust you to purify us in whatever ways you want to make us the kind of people you want us to be. Thank you, Father. Bless these folks. Touch their lives. Encourage them. Use them. Glorify yourself in them and through them. There may be some here today that don't know the Lord Jesus, and so some of what we've been talking about doesn't make complete sense to you. If you'd like this morning to have us talk with you and help you to understand what it means to belong to Jesus and belong to God through the Lord Jesus, and you want to receive him as your Savior this morning so that he can begin a process of purifying your life, and you've never done that before, but you'd like to this morning, I'd like to ask you to come up after the service. There'll be several of us up here ready to talk with you. Take the courage to just come up forward and let us talk with you. God bless every one of you. In Jesus' name, amen.